0: This is Matt. This is John from Plastic Climate
1: Future.com.
0: And today, today we have uh, <laughs> our first guest, and uh, it's uh, the first guest uh, in uh, in history of of, uh, of in the whole history of our podcast. Let me introduce today um, Asia Guerreschi from Italy who has a master of science in geography and who is passionate about circular economy, about the climate, about uh, the future of our planet as well, Um, and who has a lot of uh, experience uh, in communicating these topics as well. Among others, she has a podcast series as well called Rethinking Climate. And I think uh, let's start with you, Asia, introducing this initiative, actually, because I think you will do it best and uh, we will listen.
2: Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be uh, your first uh, guest in a history and I'm gonna start by saying that I thought your uh, jingle was well-timed, so good start at the beginning. <laughs> uh, and um, so Rethinking Climate is actually uh, currently is a youth-led nonprofit. We try to open the conversation about climate change more or less. It's very complex so we try to do it in different ways through research. We do interviews and we engage one-on-one with different stakeholders from citizens to various ages, from even professionals in the field of policymaking or even industries. And we started because uh, with my background in communication as well, I have worked for newspapers and I was always annoyed at the fact that the question had to be politically correct. And although they have to be politically correct because you want them to be fact checked it always has to be, well, they're never honest. It's always have to be too perfect. So I thought we just needed to break down that wall and just ask questions nobody really wants to answer.
0: Good. Good, great. Yeah, and I think this is is also why we invited you because we want to have a discussion which is actually fact-based and science-based on uh, plastics, of course, one of the main topics, but since we know that plastics are very well connected to all kind of topics around climate change. Um, and since you're much younger than we are. Uh, 22. In 22 or three. <laughs> it gives us uh, a great, I think, perspective also to yeah connect this uh, plastics discussion to to climate change and especially to connect it with your perspective um so let me start with with the first question that i actually have to you is how do you perceive the current discussion around plastics especially from a point of view of a if i may say it a climate Action activist. So, what is what is in your eyes most prominent um, in the discussion around plastics, which you connect to to climate change?
2: I've actually done a little bit of research today because I was preparing for this interview. So I thought, let's go investigate what 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 the people are actually talking about. So in the past, generally, I've perceived plastic as being the bad guy right plastic is everywhere it will infect us and it's it's even now in in placenta pregnant women and that research scare the hell out of a lot of people and and i think that that's the way it it generally is understood now because circular economy is becoming the hot topic then now plastic is involved because it's about eliminating it using it making something out of something else it's been used as a marketing tool uh, but it's always, it's always, and you, the, the what John was saying before about driving down the highway and you look out, what do you perceive? And you see a plastic bag just hanging there as if it was sort of a, a, a following you around a little bit. Um, the fact that plastic is still out there and it's, it's actually one of the most uh, used plastic. And if we did eliminate plastic bags, we would eliminate the majority of, of plastic based products that we have out. So I think that that's the way I perceive it and I understand it through research and news in general. Uh, But it's always my question always, why? Why are things not changing? Why is it still there? Why do we still have a plastic bag there? Why is nobody doing anything? And even when industries are doing something, it's always consumer power that should make a change. And I partially agree with that statement because I do believe that there's purchase power but if industries pressured governments then maybe maybe there would be a stronger change. and one example is this month the EU had uh, European Commission had um, I think they were talking about uh, testing out specific kind of plastic and how uh, toxic they could be and so on. only six percent out of 200,000 kinds of plastic are being tested out uh, but they have what they call and actually we're down the uh, let me precautionary principle which they do not apply which is new substances should not be assumed to be harmless instead they don't do that they just okay so let's test it out and if they're toxic we'll figure out when someone's sick or something's happening and that really shocked me because the european commission the european union in general is the first one then going on with the green new deal and telling us we should reduce the amount of plastic we buy and i will keep saying this the advertisement they put on youtube it will it's funny to me i cannot take it too seriously it's uh, an ad that says, you are the choice, you make the difference. And it's an ad by the European Commission. And it's just hilarious, I think, because you're just putting all the responsibility onto me. But it's like if the prime minister came to me and said, well, you will make the change in for, I don't know, whatever policy that will make a difference in a different place. It's it's not like I'm not the prime minister. Why would I be making this, this difference? So this this is how I perceive it. I hope I answered the question.
1: Wow, wow. That, that's really was it an, an interesting answer. Yeah, I mean, um, can, can I can I can I can I get some comment on this? You know, uh, uh, I, I hear what you're saying there very clearly, uh, and this there's this this has been actually uh, you being a, a, a you know an expert in professional communications, maybe you can actually cite this. But I mean, this a, a, a tactic, a strategy to 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 shift uh, the burden. Uh, the responsibility of plastic waste and the issues, et cetera, from from the industry to the consumer. This has been a a tried and true tactic over the years, you know, so it's good that we see that. Uh, On the other hand, or beside that, and in addition to that, I mean, it is also a fact myself as someone who's in the industry, but also as an individual, uh, there are decisions I can make coming from the industry that lead to reducing uh, polymers. There's a decision. There's decisions as an individual, as a consumer, that equally and are also lead to reduction, and then going down the chain. So, so, so it, it is also just uh, for me a, a fact of life that that yes, it, it, it yeah, I, I understand the the being upset that that industry pushes it onto the consumer or our government pushes it onto the individual, uh, but but it is true. Uh, at least me as an individual. That, that, you know, decisions I make can impact uh, the amount of plastic that, that gets wasted, uh, but also me as an industry member, uh, et cetera. So anyway, my comment.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, you mentioned also, on one hand, you mentioned the responsibility. On the other hand, you also mentioned uh, industry um, being, the producer or, the, or the, the one who actually bring this into the market, and uh, it's still there. Although from your point of view, it shouldn't be there because you see, you think plastics, or at least that that's how it sounded. Plastic bags are one thing that we could already eliminate now. And then you also mentioned the power of of the governments. But uh, what I kind of heard out of it is that pra- the, the the government and the industry they're going different directions in the end. Because on one hand, the governments or, or the regulatory bodies want to shift the responsibility to, to the consumers, and on the other hand, there is no regulation actually to forbid completely those plastic bags, which is could be shifting the responsibility slightly at least to the industry. So the question is, could it, be helpful in a way that the consumer starts this discussion about the responsibilities and addresses it actually as an activist to both either uh, the the regulatory bodies or the industry is there is there this power of what what you mentioned this this consumer power can it be so strong in your eyes that, that that there will be some change really coming from the consumers So when the the regulatory bodies say, well, it's your responsibility that in the end there is enough power to actually do it.
2: Well, I'll take a chance to to comment about purchase power. So purchase it's called purchase power because I do believe it still has power. Of course, we can still make a difference based on our decisions. That's something that should be just understood. When I go out tomorrow and I'm having this discussion again because I'm randomly meet someone down the street and I want to talk about plastics, I will still know that my decision when I go grocery shop will be that I won't get plastic back. That of course has power. Has power again. Also, what we pressure, but it's and I I think that rethinking climate I've been trying to do and I believe some others don't really um, see this is that they forget the human factor. We're all humans and we all keep thinking, oh, well, but if, you know, activists are, everybody's doing a good job when you're still trying to do well. I think that that's also assumed, that's also, but also among activists, as well as among industries, there's also the the, the idea of not being calm and actually sitting down and saying, it's is what we're doing actually right? Like nobody, as, as ever anybody just thought, okay, wow, this was a boom. Uh, great, Greta is doing such a good job. That's amazing. But is, isn't anybody just sitting down and saying, is this going well? Because I, I hear a lot of criticism towards activists. There's a lot of criticism towards uh, industries and the government. And each, you take it just like one by one and you say, okay, what are we doing here? That's fine. Contrastive criticism is still good. However, when when that's when that's happening, then we should still apply what we're doing So as activists. And I'll put myself into it. I think we are forgetting the objective here. We're so outgoing and breaking walls that we're saying, okay, but are we providing any useful input here? Are, are the government just going to start hating our guts and not listen to us anymore? They're already not doing that. They're not listening to us. So it, it's what we're doing so far. Let's spin. And that's always, again, with communication. That's part of our, uh, I call it just a, a tiny triangle. It's something I keeping track and we use with rethinking climate. You start with the point on top, which is definition. You know about something, okay, it's in a dictionary. Then you move down and the next step is comprehension. Like, circular economy, it has a definition. Do we actually comprehend what it means? Not entirely all the time. That's fine. You can research that. Then down below again is honesty. Do I really understand what that term actually implies? And, and, and you process the information and how much does my own well-being, my own understanding, my own past education actually help me understand that term? I studied geography. I have background a little bit in science. Does it mean I understand circular economy? Not necessarily. I had to study again to actually comprehend that. I've had professionals who've told me, well, this is better, this is not. Or even the difference between tiny kind of plastics. The simple question is what is a polymer? Just brought it out there. Mm-hmm. It can open a whole world, mm-hmm. Right. And, and it's the idea that you never should stop learning. But then the last step is awareness. You've reached the point where you say, I don't know something. And that is an answer. And people should understand, I don't know, is a good answer. Hmm. Because it brings you to more. Yeah,
0: and yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, think,
0: I think this is nice. Because now I think it might be a keyword for John. I'm not sure. But you brought up actually our three pillars. Our three pillars that we always talked about and we which which we think are important also for the whole classic climate future discussion and and, and, and engagement because the first one you said is is honesty and mm-hmm. then facts science based information
1: honesty is, is more like uh yeah indeed i, I mapped that to, to, to some extent to to no green uh, to beyond greenwashing yeah. to the extent that you can equate greenwashing with with dishonesty which which you can't 100% but you can largely equate it to dishonesty. In yeah, and I think you, Yeah, and,
0: and and that's 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 what we are also trying to 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 do with our initiative is actually mm-hmm. to, to to bring these this clarity based on these three pillars into mm-hmm. the, into the discussion between also the the, the different stakeholders mm. and um what's interesting also is you said that's that's that b- brings up another question because you you said there is always the industry but there is also humans behind it in the end so a ceo can has children can go shopping can have consumer decisions mm-hmm. um so basically addressing the the human factor in the end uh, in the industry could uh, could lead to to leaders or could, could 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 give us leaders in the industry who who will have power to to yeah, influence the change also from from the industrial perspective
2: if I, if I can add actually something about the human factor in an interview we did uh one of one person i interviewed he said well the human factor is actually Uh, polluting. And I'll explain that. First of all, by existing, we pollute. That's just a fact then second of all is the fact that if you if you add on to the stress of someone who's trying to do better in the world but maybe they're a father of four kids and they need a car to go to work and bring the kids to to school but then you tell them hey how about you stop using plastic bags when you go grocery shop for a family of seven and mm-hmm. and how about how about you start using the bike and then they'll stress out and they'll add on to stress to the kids and the kids might not it's it's an overlapping of course this is a very blunt example in large extent but the idea that the human factor, even with its flaws, can be what's stopping us from actually doing better—it's mm-hmm. like we have an innate something. We're our own own enemy.
1: You know, I—I I mean, uh, I think you're—you're uh, you're hitting some points there. I mean, my my daughter uh, would, would say something. You, you're probably familiar with this phrase. You know, uh, you know, first, you know, that's a real first world problem, Daddy. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, you know, you have people. Uh, that, that are, you know, having a, a large stack of other challenges in their daily life. Uh, it's actually a luxury. And I think we, if we step back a second, we all three will acknowledge this It's a luxury that the three of us can sit here tonight and and, and wax about plastic climate and future. You know, it is a luxury to be able to do this. And but but uh, it's also you know you can you know it's a luxury. But to it's also
0: to... our responsibility. There you the... go. Yeah, I mean, right, look, look what happened to China. Like I mean, they we UK was sending like all the European countries were sending all the trash, plastic trash to China. Yeah, and then uh, it was our responsibility on on one hand because we were using it because we wanted to have it. There were, most of the industry was also. At least led by by a lot of stakeholders in Europe, and then we just shifted the problem to another country, and then suddenly we we realized when China said no, we don't accept it anymore, what an impact we were actually doing for so many years, mm-hmm. and um, I think this is this is a even even if it's a, a first world problem, we should realize how how much impact it has also on 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 a global scale in the end. Mm, so mm, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's why the plastic bag is is I think a nice example or or a nice image of of the whole um, problem caused by plastics in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the responsibility just, just to what you what you just said, Asia. that, that you, you, if you look at the commercial, the European Union commercial, you just, it just makes you smile because it's just not, not speaking to you or it's just kind of sarcastic to you. But I think there you also see the power that you could have if you bring something in uh, a commercial, if you publish uh, such a commercial, if you do it in the right way, how much power you can have by influencing also this human factor in the, the CEOs of, of companies or mm. or in, in in people that have seven children and that they they start thinking about it and then you have this whole chain reaction and then you it's 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 a one world problem in yeah. the end and that that you are able to tackle if you if you think that you, well if you if you really see the the potential that you have when you're when addressing the human factor in the end
2: yeah well one funny thing about plastic also the people don't realize that it's everywhere Mm -hmm. we forget we forget how much of what we have around is plastic because you think well it's that's paper that's metal well wait stop what's what's containing that metal like what's the microchip what's like all the e-waste that's why it's really good that you mentioned. Uh, Matt, you mentioned the the waste going to China and then being stopped. Well, what about the e-waste going, all the African countries and being used for people there, like children being set paid to go through this electronics that then is being sold to a black market and all of that. And you've got so many issues, people forget. In Europe, we are privileged. We are privileged. And Italy, we got to see how much, if you don't throw away the waste or your government doesn't help you do that, how much is a problem in Naples. For instance, when there was... That whole issue with also politics and then the crime and all of that, and that that is an example of when things we when we dispose of things, it just doesn't disappear. It'd be nice, and if it did, it's still polluting because if you burn it, then there's air going up and a whole other issue.
0: Hmm. So, do you think there is a problem with communication? Is there something that that there is no well, there is a problem with, or or we don't have the right communication strategies? Because in the end, we kind of try to isolate the problem. And then that's that, that, at least how it sounds. We, we try to isolate it and We try to shift responsibilities. Everyone is trying to, you know, address a certain group of people or, or have their opinion being, being transferred to a certain group. So is there, from your point of view, something that we could do better in terms of communication?
2: Yes, and I'll divide my answer in three sections. I'll start by saying the more cynical version, which is uh, communication also follows where the money goes. And that's a bad thing. <laughs> because people forget that they teach you with communication is that if you're looking at something, uh, you have to think, why was that made? And who paid for it? Because that will change completely uh, what you're looking at. Second of all is also where you're looking at from. A simple two seconds ad on YouTube. That can make a difference. I can teach you a lot, um, and also your impression of it, first of all, and then, then of course, the 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 third one, which is more like strategy, is that I had an expert. Uh, he's a communicator for for industries. Actually, he said people forget that this is a whole job. This is a whole expertise. You need experts to do that. Again, you need money. You need professionals. And if you don't, if you don't have professionals, you don't have the money. You can ask a small industry to communicate properly. So I think that that is also realizing that if there's a purchase power, consumers have power, well, then big industries have power as well to make a difference in in what they're doing and transparency. And I think that uh, when you told me your question, Matt, in advance, one of the things you added was transparency and also weight disposal. And, and no, I shouldn't. Okay.
0: Cut this out. No, up. no, right. I'm just joking. I never, give, <laughs> I never give questions in advance. Of too. course. Mine's
2: links I knew already, uh, yeah. <laughs> but with transparency is that often the simple question is where you get your products and where does it come from. Many don't provide this. They'll say, "Well, this year we decreased uh, plastic consumption or plastic we, we use less plastic, you know, twenty percent less." How? What do you mean? Why? So if we as consumers can ask that question, the industry is responsible for providing that information. And sometimes, as I've noticed, people don't even to b2b like businesses even among businesses that is not happening and that's very interesting Uh, but if we're looking down at a strategy per se then uh surely we kind of have to get away from this hot topic we now it's the hot topic now it's going up the keywords are always the same and when it comes to plastic i think it should come down to speaking Honestly, even in terms, like why are you communicating this to your consumer if you're in industry? And if you're a government, again, why are you doing this? And this will translate a lot in terms used, in the, the focus of a sentence. It doesn't have to sound too general, for instance. Sometimes it's very general. Or it's not strategically used even among social media or elsewhere. And that's something that people just assume. Communication is easy. Mm-hmm. Like when, when you tell someone that you've got a communication degree, they'll look at you as if you, you got like, I don't know, fifth grade certificate because you just wasted your money and your time. It's like no, I studied and and surely surely you could have different opinions about communication degree, but it does require expertise and it does require because it has a certain sense and sometimes that is not applied. So I think that that's what's missing.
0: It doesn't make it a bit too easy for people who are actually instigating. Yeah, we should we should communicate this this what is the purpose of reducing or or how do we reduce the amount of um, virgin material and why would we um, reduce or why would we recycle and stuff like that and sometimes simply it's it's business uh, business secrets it's it's some internal processes in uh, companies that uh, are intellectual property and sometimes it's just as you said like communication costs money so it's an issue of money and then you have a responsibility to feed your employees and and uh, pay your employees and then uh, there is a lot of people demanding some information which you just as a business owner have to evaluate against uh, revenue or against uh mm-hmm. I don't know uh, unemployment of a couple of of, uh, of employees, for instance, because then it's going to cost you more money, or you you just going to decrease your profit. I,
1: I think I think Asia. When you're talking about communication, uh, I, I'm not. A, I, I I I I tip my hat. I don't have a hat, but if I had one, I'd have I'd tip it. You know, because uh, I I genuinely really value uh, and, and and put it hold in, in very high regard uh, the profession. Uh, and the discipline of communication. Yeah, uh, I aspire to be a good communicator. Uh, so, so uh, I hold <laughs> this is this is a profession that I did not study, but, but wish I was good at. Uh, and I think I think uh, when we talk about plastic climate and future, and we talk about the the audience and the stakeholders uh, that that, uh, uh, that that are indeed our our audience. Uh, uh, I think part of it is is. Is uh, I read an article once where it's titled, I Speak Your Language, and it was an article on communication. It was, it was more like uh, shifting your, your, your communication approach depending on the temperament and the personality of the other individual that you're talking to. And I think if you take that and apply that to, okay, uh, these individuals are now you know, larger uh, entities like an industry or activist community or a certain demographic or generation, et cetera, uh, I think there's there's something to be said, something that's valuable about being able to switch switch, switch the channels so that you can communicate to to the industry. Uh, maybe they speak in terms of a more like like Matt was suggesting, maybe a business like language or something like that. Uh, whereas the activists may speak more, uh, you know, and I mean this with, with full respect, passionately and 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 from the heart, you know, because they have so much life to live, you know. <laughs> Uh, and and then, then the spectrum, you know, but finding this way of, of, of speaking of the, the language of who it is you're communicating with, is 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 really uh, easier said than done. I, I I haven't managed to do it, but that's part of what we're trying to do here, is 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 be able to bring people that are, you know, uh, like uh, a couple of months ago, like, I was talking about people with signs saying, you know, we the world needs you to give a shit you know, bringing people like that here and talking with them and engaging them and listening to them, uh, respect and respecting, uh, and, and, then, and, then, and then the next time having some captain of the industry, you know, and, and, and engaging that individual equally, and then hopefully finding some way by, by communicating with these different, you know, stakeholders, uh, still finding a way to communicate where over time we build up some community where where everyone can come together and really say, hey, we respect each other. You you have a different view. You talk differently. You have a different, you know, focus in a certain way. But we all have something in, uh, that we respect and share together. So okay, I'm gonna Shut up up. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And I think I think it's nice what you what you also said, Asia, before because um, you said something like uh, if you acknowledge. The the things that you don't know, you you you're open to actually learn and move forward and and uh, yeah do new things and and change something. And I think this is also a very important uh, or strategy in for our communication um, to give these these insights and these different perspectives, also new for for, for ourselves. Of course, that's why we we want to invite as many. People from as many different uh, backgrounds as possible, <clears throat> because through this we we just realize that there is new things to learn, and then there are things that, that that maybe we don't understand at at this moment, and we want to bring it also to 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 the public. Um, because this this is the only thing i think to to uh, uh start and initiate these these discussions between these stakeholders because what i take out now from our discussion so far is it's not a one party or one stakeholder responsibility that we were were uh, dealing with it's it's something that has so many different aspects and has so, so many different impacts in a systemic way that you need to engage with with uh, all stakeholders equally so industry regulatory bodies but also people like you who are who are passionate about their their yeah life and then and, and the future that they're going to be living and and they see that they have a power to change something um, so that that will bring me to 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 the next question um, from your eyes. If you if you see what's happening now in with the discussion around plastics, connected also to climate change, um, how do you see the future of not only the plastic industry but also how people will continue living with plastics and and using plastics and 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 basically yeah continue continue the, the the yeah i would say utilization of plastics but also the life with plastic in the future
2: that's not an easy question but uh <laughs> uh certainly that's the best I'll... questions <laughs> yeah, certainly i'll I'll say something that relates to also uh, comments you both have made and that we don't only have a human factor but we have the emotional factor that's always part of the human factor what we feel changes the way we behave with things and so i believe that if we changed our emotion towards certain things then we could change the way we use them and understand them and that's something we keep forgetting history teaches that a lot and we just trash it down Like we just learn in high school and forget about it. That's not, that's not the point. Like we, we, and I, I, I will always uh, use this example of, of, I think it was my mother and my aunt arguing what was best to feed a a baby. And my mother's like, well, what would our grandmas do? Like didn't have baby powder. Like, come on, they invented something in the past and we're still alive and breathing well. And my aunt, who's actually a nurse would criticize, but yeah, but science has moved forward yet. Yes, that's true. Of course, my mother was not saying that we shouldn't use uh, technology that it has helped us feed, uh, I don't know, feed babies. Those mother cannot breastfeed, of course. But that's an example of the fact that we, we should learn from ways that were used in the past and evolved throughout innovation that's currently happening. So if, if we didn't live with plastic before, we can make use of the advantages of having um, other kinds of plastic that are biosourced or that are just better for the environment and better for us but let's not forget that there are things we're living with, with which we didn't live with in the past. And we can still survive without. It's just that for now, it's just so comfortable. It's so easy. And, and of course, if, if the pandemic would have happened 200 years ago, we wouldn't have computers to work. And that helped so many families. That's great. But it's our attitude to it. What, what could Could we take out something of our lives? And that sounds so negative. But how about we... Maybe I can spin this to something more positive. We know everybody's involved. That's something we all are aware of. What if we added more positive tune to it, and in the in the future, be like life will be better with less plastic,
1: mm-hmm. and that
2: is just a fact. And that's yeah. how I would like to see the future. And I still yeah. see it's very complex.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, life will be better with with less plastic, you know. And and there, and I think that in the future there will be less plastic, uh, relatively speaking, uh, but it's going to take time before there's less plastic because if before there's going to be less plastic, plastic, there's going to be more plastic because uh, 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 this is one of the frustrations that I have is is as uh, is, is much as I, I, I see the efficacy of, of plastic and I see value and being able to make plastic and et cetera, the art of plastic and, and see, you know, uh, you know, I, am not uh, anti-capitalist in terms of, you know, uh, generation of of wealth for, for communities and so on. So, but, uh, but, and there's, but there's just going to be more plastic before there's less, because just the, the the momentum of the fossil fuel industry is such uh, that, that uh, you're not going to be able to stop this. Uh, uh, uh so quickly. Uh, so so we have to talk about transitioning away from from uh, from from uh, more to less plastic. But a funny quick story I'm going to say here <laughs> about plastic. I, I remember when I was a kid uh, in Arkansas, uh, one spring day uh, uh, coming out in the front of, of my home and my mom was replanting flowers uh, from from these flower pots, and she was taking out old flowers that were real flowers and replacing these with plastic flowers. Uh, this is like early '70s, and 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 I said, "Mom, what are you doing?" She said, "Well, these are just so much more pretty, and and they last forever." And even as a child, I was like six or seven. I thought to myself, "What in the hell's going on, man?" You know. So so even then, so maybe that was destiny, but but uh, misapplication of plastic, you know
0: anyway sorry. but but look like for for a person like me who who is just not realizing that <laughs> i have flowers so even if you tell me that i should water the flowers i would just ask where which ones because even if they're standing there for five years i just don't realize and then <laughs> so you, you have would to... have to rebuy it because whenever you your flowers die because you forget about them then you will have to rebuy it and then you yeah. have to no, you you have to transport it. You have to go to the yeah, shop. Yeah. Yeah, I, so I, I think over my know. lifetime, over my lifetime, a plastic flower is much more sustainable. <laughs> you make it than, It's
2: actually a fact. It's actually yeah. a fact. that demonstrated how much the industry of flowers is it's actually unsustainable.
0: Yeah, yeah, but. But look, that's 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 another discussion. Like I mean, flowers are unsustainable, (laughs) (laughs) because you don't need them. Like you don't need them, and there's so much water and 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 resources going on. Have you, I've, I've seen once these, I've been once in Ethiopia and I've seen <laughs> these farms where they would have tulips in Ethiopia. How much water is going for this? Ew, but but, but that, that's a different question because it's not part of the- Wow. Uh, of man, I feel embarrassed.
1: My topic. mom turns out my mom was a genius and I was yeah. a fool. <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: You're already looking at a better future.
1: <laughs>
0: but this this brings us to a very important point, And I think this <laughs> is what, what, what uh, Asia was saying um, and and what also you mentioned that we ha- we will have to look more carefully at the impacts and then also be aware of the responsibility that we have when we use plastic and then it might mu- it's it's gonna be less for sure that we have we will have in the future and it's gonna be plastic that we use consciously to, have a more sustainable uh life in general so less impact on the planet in total and i think this is how how it can can work but we have to make sure that there is this awareness and that that there is this consciousness that that you can do harm with this right (laughs) so if you if you use it just because it's uh more comfortable, then you have to make sure what are the impacts, and you have to 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 know this responsibility, and then say, okay, do I really need it? I mean, pla- we we talked it about once uh, w- once about the, the plastics in in medicine, like mm. that's what would s- how many lives would be lost <laughs> if we wouldn't have plastics in 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 medicine, so. There are certainly things that 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 uh, make life uh, not only better and more comfortable, but there are life saving due to plastics as well. And I think this is this we have to have this discussion in the end. Mm -hmm. Well, it's
2: about knowing what you're going to do without, like after you've you've made use of plastic, because plastic has made our lives so much better in so many fronts. But Mm -hmm. it's if 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 consumers and industries work together to figure out. Okay. Well, I have this waste. I can give it to another industry that will make something out of it, and eventually you'll reduce from so much to so little of the waste you produce, and hopefully don't dump it in a developing country. That would be nice, thank you. Uh, maybe, maybe this wouldn't be an issue what we're talking about now, because again, and also, plastic in the narrative is such a bad guy. Then plastic is such a bad guy, but plastic is not always a bad guy. It's what we do with the plastic that is the bad guy, guys. Yeah.
1: I agree with that. I agree. I agree with that. I mean. Um, yeah, like uh, when, when we talk about this plastic trash bag on the side of the road, you know, uh, it's it's the same exact technology uh, that that that's used to make that piece of plastic trash on the side of the road, that's used to make a very you know sophisticated uh, uh, injection molded medical devices. Uh, and, and today, and, and I mean, that that's circa nineteen late 1990s, and today, with, with you know, so-called 3D printing technology, uh, uh, where you use uh, thermoplastics it's uh, the standard material uh, when you're, besides metals, uh, for making 3D printed materials. You can make like a 3D printed, uh, uh, you know, hip joint uh, out out of plastic. Uh, and so, so I mean, uh, everyone, you know, if if you, you take a step back, uh, you'll see you'll see the value of plastics. But but also you know what what is also something that, that that's always been interesting for me, is is if you go if you go look to a big plastic producer, uh, and and you say okay, uh, what what is your business? Uh, big huge plastic companies uh, they, they they run commodity business, which to uh, paraphrase David Letterman it's volume volume volume. So the more they make at the lowest cost possible, the better. And actually, these very same companies uh, that, that have in their portfolio and, and, and bring out and really promote this because it's really cool to do this, their, their, their medical plastics offering, that, 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 that part of their business is maybe 1% of their revenue. It's a tiny fraction. It's a tiny volume. And internally, I can tell you, that there's always a battle going on in these companies between those that are saying, hey, we should just get out of medical plastics. It's just a pain in the butt because they keep, they keep the technology frozen in time while everything else is moving on to make a better plastic bag. You have to freeze the technology to, to, to be in compliance to make medical plastics. And so there's this ongoing debate inside industry about whether or not we want to do this. So okay I'm I'm segueing a little bit here but uh something that's But it's
0: a good point. So um yeah. because this 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 is an interesting question then to Asia that that comes to my mind through this discussion. Um so do you think there will be from your point of view there will be a, a significant leverage point or impact that can be achieved when taxing actually the environmental costs or 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 yeah basically asking to pay the environmental costs of pa- plastic products and and would we also come come back always in, in i think all the podcasts is to really also assess these environmental costs to lcas and so on so do you think this this will have a, a huge impact if we start doing this
2: I will say again that I think the human factor is what will bump us down. And I will also explain why. So I, culture and demonstration in Europe, that culture will dictate a little bit, will dictate, will influence or push Put pressure, just add the word you prefer there, uh, in in the way we, we talk about sanctions or taxes. And one example is just the fact that uh, Northern European countries are famous for having their jails empty or they're such so good at uh, helping these people find better lives in more legal terms or that they legalize prostitution. But in Italy, it is not illegal prostitution per se. But if you are going to a prostitute, then you are committing a crime because you're sort of adding on to the, you know, purchase power. Same. It always goes there. And why am I saying this? It's because if you were to add a tax about uh, about uh, on plastics or sustainable cost, then people might break that law. And it, it always depends on the relationship between culture, application, people, and where you are. So I think that's a good start, but it's the way you apply it. So it should be for uh, both consumers and policymakers to say, how does my country actually think? And how best could I readapt and sort of rearrange? So can I be supportive to industries? Can I say, hey, I'm going to tax you a little bit, but I'm going to be helping you out. Okay. Because I understand that they could be a pain in the butt for you. Okay. I'm going to be helping out. Uh, like, um, I, I do admire just ways in which this kind of approach has been helped. And I, again, I always make the example of, uh, Italy versus, you know, the Netherlands for, um, prostitution, because the difference is so big. We have people being trafficked here and there instead they have like, they pay taxes, they have their own, you know, code and everything they pay. And it's, it's perfect. And you think, okay, well, there are issues there too because there are issues everywhere in the world. But that, again, if, if you have such a big cost in in the planet, it's more important than anything else. <laughs> there's a still human factor.
1: I'm glad yeah, you're yeah. the one that brought this subject up, Asia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. We, we, so I did
2: plastic. I mean, we're well, we're gonna have the explicit I make content. A joke, but Mark, I can't
1: on our podcast. Yeah, it would have been inappropriate for, for Matt and I to bring this up. So, so you, you brought it up. Well,
2: now come we on, somebody on should to talk about the, the plastic used I, in the in the sex industry and huh? I have the
1: I have it. Let's take the plastic. Let's yeah. let's recycle the plastic. Let's make injection mold uh like life size, you know, human dolls for the prostitution segment and, 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 and then and then uh, you know somehow create some kind of circularity here.
2: That's great John and actually I'll, I'll tell Thank you a funny you. story. Three years ago I worked for a communication agency and some of my clients were uh, sex shop owners. So I had to actually upload all of these weird pictures on the website. And I realized how you would be surprised that you cannot use recycled plastic in some of these products because they're so advanced and they're <laughs> some of them are weird, but I cannot comment any of this here. But you wouldn't be able to use it. And that's a demonstration that it, it is a complex issue. But you could still measure. You could still measure the environmental impact if you supported them, especially the smaller communities, the smaller industries.
1: Matt, I think we need to commission a study on this. The you know whether or not you know whether or not we can recycle plastics for sex toys. We we really need to we need to seek EU funding, and, and we need to investigate this. So. That's that's uh,
0: that's definitely should be part of the Green Deal.
1: <laughs> hey, want hey, uh, I, I will say something here. Now, shut up. Uh, When I was uh, the business development manager for healthcare plastics at Borealis many, many years ago, uh, uh, um, I I was the first one to do this, but they they give you, say, here, okay, here's the business. And believe it or not, and I'm not joking, a very small fraction of that healthcare business were were plastics that Borealis were selling at the time to injection molders that were indeed making sex toys. And so healthcare plastics were, were actually part of the, or sex toys were part of the healthcare plastics.
0: So, anyway. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Like, this was a, <laughs> my question in the end uh, to Asia one. Now that you said that you you are you are you were in this uh, business somehow <laughs> involved, um, <laughs> well, if this accurate. is actually if this is actually a, a medical product, <laughs> because. That's what I can imagine, because I know it from, from from other, now coming back to serious industry, but I know it from other industries that anything that, that comes, or there's a lot of uh, rules when, when you have skin contact and so on, and then you cannot use recycled plastic. So I can imagine that this is kind of highly regulated yeah, yeah, indeed, in, indeed. In, in terms of, so. Just to come back to a more serious stuff. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Highly regulated, but it's also well, just just to add and maybe maybe finish this discussion for for today. Um, I think it's interesting what you say because I would have, from my point of view, and from from I've worked in this commodity industry as well, and then everything was about price. So for me, it kind of I would very much tend to this. Uh, Let's have some environmental cost taxation model kind of thing because I know, especially in the commodity market where they everything is price optimized, they they would do anything just to 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 keep this these, these margins, um, and this could could imply real change. But as you said, like there is also the human factor, and I think this is this is a very important thing, and this is. And this is something what we also want to address in the end through having guests from from not only one sector but actually have this discussion about plastic and climate and future in a very human way. <laughs> so mm-hmm. really, really uh, uh, on a on a very scientific but also personal personal level. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think. Um, I have no further questions. Uh, And uh, I would say, John, do you have one?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I just, just, yeah, I I do. I mean, Asia, I mean, you as an individual, perhaps, but, but more if you're, if you're looking at a a demographic that's, that's your age and maybe a a little bit younger, uh, activist community. I mean, uh, what uh, in, in just a, a few sentences? What, what would you say? I mean, do, when they when they look at we talk, uh, Matt and I talk about the industry, the industry, the industry, they may look at each other and say, "What the hell are they talking about? What do you mean, the industry?" You know, I mean, uh, are we even are we even remotely connecting uh, with, with this demographic, with these people uh, in this sense, uh, and, and and to the extent that they. They think about plastic and think about those who are behind that are in the industry. I mean, I mean, what what do they are they? Is this indifference, ignorance, aggression? What what is it? I mean, what do they think? Uh,
2: I guess tiredness is what comes to mind. One single word uh, because we've we've been part of this, uh, mm-hmm. and I recall when I was doing volunteering work when I was twelve and nobody was talking about these things. And then suddenly it was a boom in a couple of years. And it seemed like my whole work before didn't really matter because everybody was focused on now. So Mm -hmm. I I dare say that what you're doing is it's great. However, it it might feel heavy on the heart. I can say for these younger generations, they seem like they get, I think it's what I would define as teenage anger. Nobody really listens to me. Nobody really uh, understands what I'm going through. And I think it comes down to fear and then, uh, a bit tiredness of indifference because there is indifference and they see it elsewhere. Now, mm-hmm. the fact, and I'll make this as a joke, of course, this with good intention, I'll say this you both are white men.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, that already dear, starts dear, with a specific. During the week, not on the weekends, but during the week, yes.
2: <laughs> during the week, you're white men. And yeah. that already sets sort of a standard because there's a realization, of course, of where the conversation is coming from. Um, and and I think that's that's very important about reaching younger people. It's about knowing what they're saying. But your quality is the fact that you are experts in the field and you can provide in more of a personal way and opening the conversation. So and that, again, comes in both sides. You are doing such a great job then for, for us. And I put myself in, in these shoes is we need to learn more. And that comes down to what we were saying before. So I think, I think that it's still a little bit frustration. Maybe that, that, that answer specifically your question, John, is frustration because the conversation is being said so much. We keep repeating stuff and yet there's indifference. And I see it also when we speak about animals, you know, like with the impact of plastic on animals and in, and I've watched documentaries, I mean, one documentary turned me vegetarian and, and, uh, even, I don't know, like I've, I've been part of uh, volunteering work for animals, and it's such heartbreaking the fact that animals are considered well, less, and that that is just a part of human factor.
1: Mm.
2: But that indifference, that feel, many young people feel that too, and mm. I personally feel a lot of anger when it comes to these conversations because I, if it were for me, I would say, you know what, you're not doing a good job, like, and I have to be polite about this, but. Nope. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be, but you have to be, of course, because there's a human factor in place. There's so many variables, but mm-hmm. yes. So maybe working with that frustration and working with that anger, working and making sure that um, these are tackled and mm-hmm. we do not repeat in our communication. We do not repeat the conversation again. We make sure that it's valuable what we're saying and it has an objective. It will help a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So can yeah. we conclude saying that <clears throat> a good strategy would be to Uh, improve the communication in both ways, especially listening to each other and understanding each other. And this would lead to also strategies that can be implemented on on a business level, on a a policy level, and also, as, as, as we said, communication is so important on a communication strategy level as well.
2: Definitely. And I would add also listening to ourselves, why do we want this and why we're we doing this and how do I feel about this? Because again, emotions play a massive, massive uh, factor in, in the way we learn and the way we understand things.
1: Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I mean, for, for me, the, the, the thing that really triggered this thing uh two years ago on me was quite literally this walk on the beach in Greece, which I, I started my presentation with you a couple of months ago. I mean, that's not a joke. That was not just for, Storytelling—that's really, literally, what triggered it. It Was an emotional response to what I experienced, and then the history that uh, that I have with what I what I saw in front of me. So, so I'm with you on the human factor.
2: So I had the pleasure to hear your story, John. But I never know why Matt was involved in this. What's your emotional story?
1: Well, um,
0: I was always uh, I was always driven by natural phenomena. (laughs) And I was kind of always interested in mimicking things that nature is doing. That's why I was interested in figuring out how um, solar cells work, for instance, that's where I did my PhD. And because it was Mm -hmm. just cool to mimic nature and to to do something where you see, well, this is this is just happening automatically. Mm. Um, and then i'm 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 driven by let's say mostly um curiosity so i've 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 worked with bio-based materials and then i just this brought me into this whole context and i saw there is so much potential and we can do so much better and you just have to know you just have to learn how how, how nature is doing this and then you just have to play with it and experiment with it and and then you figure out completely new ways that haven't been there. And this was partly the, the motivation which kept me also in, in, in science for such a long time because you were always discovering new things and that and, no one has done before. And it, just, it was always connected to, you know, environmental technology somehow, which was not, a, I would say it wasn't so much emotionally, but, but rather curiosity. And now I, I saw like yeah we have we have the power to change something so i also have kids and uh, <laughs> why uh why not doing it at least for them and there's mm-hmm. many things that we can do when we engage in these discussions when we start researching and looking into um, different uh, fields of, of science and and research to find new solutions um, And if we do it, why don't we go the the more environmentally friendly way and not the other way? Mm -hmm. Which turned out not to be sustainable in the end because the numbers show it. (laughs) It was a big experiment. It worked for a while, but it it seems it's not going to work forever. I hope that answers your question. You want to take over the podcast. I have
2: enough of mine. Thank you.